In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Saints, last week we answered the question, what is baptism? And the answer is that baptism is whatever God says it is. It is based on his command and his promise. And the question for today then is this, what benefits does baptism give? Now, some will say that baptism is simply a work of our own obedience to God. They think that Jesus told us to do this, so then we should at least be obedient and just do what he says. Uh, It's the way you show the church that you are being an obedient child of God by dedicating yourself to God, by doing what he told you to do. And so this is why some are baptized three or four times because uh, their first attempt didn't work. And so they try again and again, showing their obedience and recommitment to God. And they'll say that baptism is an outward sign of an inward reality. That is to say, it's an expression of your personal faith and commitment to God, a spiritual relationship that already exists. So baptism is coming after the fact, after you already believe, after you're already a Christian, simply showing publicly that that is what you are. Others will say that baptism is a sign or a symbol or an image of the forgiveness of sins. In other words, baptism is just a dramatic image or representation of what God has already done for you apart from baptism and before baptism. So they say, uh, well, water is used to clean things, so that's what baptism is depicting, and it's an image of, it's representing that. It symbolizes how God then washed away our sins already. Now, in in all of these teachings, there's many different variations of this, but in all of these teachings, there's one common thing going on here, and it is that baptism itself does nothing. There is no benefit for the individual. The only benefit is for those who are watching the baptism. They get to see how serious you are about your faith and your obedience, or they're made aware of something that maybe they didn't know beforehand. So ultimately, though, baptism has no saving power. Uh, In all these cases, it's simply a a symbol or a sign or an image representing something else. All right, well, like I said last week, uh, it doesn't matter what anyone thinks baptism is, no matter how smart or learned or knowledgeable you might be. What matters is what God says it is. And since God is the one who gave it to us, he is also the one who says what it is, not us. So to know what God uh, says about it, we turn to Holy Scripture, which did not come from man's interpretation or will, but from the Holy Spirit, the thing that God caused to be written that is breathed out by God, that all Scripture is breathed out by God. So what does baptism do? Listen to what the Holy Spirit himself says, what he caused to be written. Ephesians chapter 5 says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Acts chapter 2 says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children. John chapter 3 says, Truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, 
Notice it's a conjunction, joining water and the Spirit. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Acts chapter 22 says, Why do you wait, rise and be baptized, and wash away your sins? Calling on his name. Romans chapter 6 says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Mark 16, 16 says, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Titus chapter 3 says, God saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, By what? The washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. First Peter chapter 3, 21 says, Baptism, which corresponds to this, that is the flood. Baptism now saves you. Not as removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is what God himself says. Now you tell me, does God talk about baptism as just another act of obedience? Does it sound like we're the ones doing anything in baptism? Or does it sound like nothing happens in baptism? In fact, it sounds like everything is happening in baptism. Not one of those verses talks about, uh, that, that God says, talks about baptism being an act of your will or your work or your obedience. But, and you, in fact, you can't even find those words in the same sentence. But what it does say is that it is a work of God, that baptism cleanses from sin, that it's for the forgiveness of sins, that that's how we receive the Holy Spirit. That's how you enter the kingdom of God. It's the washing away of sins, being buried with Christ into his death. It's not a symbol of new life, but it gives and actuates the new life in us. It is the regeneration of the Holy, uh, through the Holy Spirit and that baptism saves us by removing the things that make our conscience bad, that give us a guilty conscience, and then it takes that away and gives us then what? A good conscience, a clean one. None of these things are things we do for ourselves. And all of this is what God alone can do for us. Baptism is not a work we offer to God, but it is one that God does to us. It is not a work of the law. It is a gift of the gospel. It is not a work of our obedience. In fact, baptism is the opposite of that. Baptism is where God forgives our disobedience, where he takes that away. Baptism is not a sign or a symbol of forgiveness. It is the forgiveness of sins. That is what God says baptism is. And so it is exactly that. And you have the assurance that your sins are forgiven. As sure as that water was on your face, on your forehead, that is how sure the forgiveness of sins is for you. So I'll make it very simple. You either believe what God says baptism is, 
or you don't. That's all it comes down to. You either trust and believe that God can do what he clearly has said and promised, or you don't. There is no middle ground. You either trust in God above your reason and senses, or you trust in yourself, your own reason and senses above God. There is no middle ground. The, the, the reason many uh, say that baptism does nothing is because they simply don't believe what God has said it can do. Now, this is the real and only reason. They, they find it simply to be incredible. Uh, that is unbelievable. They simply oppose the authority of God himself. When God speaks, God says, baptism now saves you. And they say, what? They say, impossible. They say, it is for, God says, it is for the forgiveness of sins. And they say, no, it's not. It is not for that. It's a symbol of it. It is a picture of it. But it is not what the Lord plainly, clearly said it was. Now, that idea, that conclusion does not come from faith. You don't need the Holy Spirit to reject God's word. You don't need the Holy Spirit to think that baptism does nothing. To not believe God and what he says is something that is natural to all men. When you deny that what God says about baptism, you're not being clever or smart or wise, you're being unbelieving. So to say that baptism has no benefit is to say exactly what the unbelieving world already says. It's to join your voice with theirs, to say this is just water, it does nothing. Now, you have that in common with the world, with those who reject the word of God. Now, uh, think about it. Uh, push this to its conclusion. Why would you trust and believe that Jesus walked on water? and raised the dead, and fed over 5,000 people with five loaves of bread, that he healed the blind, calmed the storm, turned water into wine, ascended into heaven, that he is coming to judge the living and the dead. But somehow you don't believe that he can forgive our sins with water. Why do you trust God when he says he did all these other things, but don't trust him when he clearly says this. Even more, why would you believe that God loves you and forgives you your sins without any merit or worthiness in you, but then find it impossible to believe that God would wash away your sins in baptism? If anything, the fact that God loves you is more of a mystery and harder to grasp than baptism. The fact that Jesus gave every ounce of life in his body and laid down his life for people like us who are maggots and worms before him. The fact that God would do that without requiring anything from us is infinitely more difficult to believe than it is to believe that God would forgive our sins through water. It's not hard for me or for any of us to believe how God can do this. I mean, he is God and nothing is impossible for him. It's, so it's not hard to believe how God could do this. What we cannot understand is why. Why he would. Why does he love us? That is a mystery. That is something we cannot comprehend. Why would he forgive us? Why would he not bring up one sin against us? Why would he say, everything you've done, I will not remember. I know all things, but I won't remember your sin. Why would he cover your shame and embarrassment 
and your past and wipe it out from his memory, from existence. Why would he wash away your sins and give you no reason to ever doubt that he loves you? And yet he does and he has. Dear saints, the same God who opened his mouth on the cross to forgive your sins with his dying breath is the same God who said baptism now saves you. The same God who spoke by the prophets of things that were true but unseen is the same God who speaks in his holy word and tells you he has washed away the sin from your soul, from your heart. The same Lord Jesus Christ who tells you to trust in him for your salvation is the same Lord who tells you to trust him once again when it comes to your baptism. Don't believe what the world or your own flesh tells you about baptism. Don't even believe what your eyes see in baptism. Trust your dear Lord above your reason and senses, the Lord who cannot lie or deceive you. Psalm 118 says, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. Proverbs chapter 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. God's word is truth. And that means when you were a helpless little infant, God did all these things for you in baptism. They were true then, and it's true now. And it will be true the next day, and the next day, and until your final breath, that he saves you, that he is responsible for your salvation. When you were dead in your sins and trespasses, God looked upon you with eyes filled with love, and he had mercy upon you, and he saved you. What benefits does baptism give? It gives all the benefits God says it gives. It works the forgiveness of sins. It rescues from death and the devil and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this as the words and promises of God declare. Uh, Before I close, I want to say one more thing. About 400 years ago, Lutherans were facing religious persecution from the Reformed, from the Calvinists. Lutheran pastors were being forced to deny what God said in Scripture about baptism. They were being silenced. And they were being forced to omit it from their sermons and from their teaching, not to publicize it or speak about it, and to say that baptism then is unnecessary and ineffective. Now, during this time, there was a man by the name of Paul Gerhardt, uh, whose hymns we sing often here at Zion. Uh, and he was facing persecution and was about to be removed as the pastor of his church because he taught on baptism, that baptism saves, as the scriptures say. Uh, And his church was in Berlin. And so he had his congregation there in Berlin and he's facing this persecution. And they told him, they said, "Uh, Paul, you need to stop teaching the people about baptism or you face the consequence. You lose everything. And what do you think Gerhardt did? He wrote a hymn about baptism said, you tell me not to teach it, well, I will teach it all the more. And I will teach the children to sing it, and the old people to sing it, and everyone to sing it, and generations to sing this. So this is the hymn he wrote. He wrote, all Christians who have been baptized, 
He wrote this for his congregation to preserve the truth so that they would sing it and remember the comfort of their baptism when it was being trying, uh, when it was, uh, when others were trying to take it away, take it away from their mind. He wrote these words and these are the last words he could tell them about baptism. And this is what he wrote. It's his only hymn that he wrote on baptism. Uh, and he writes this and thanks be to God 400 years later, we still sing the same words. So I'm going to close with the words of this hymn. He writes, All Christians who have been baptized, who know the God of heaven, and in whose daily life is prized the name of Christ once given, consider now what God has done, the gifts he gives to everyone baptized into Christ Jesus. You were before your day of birth, indeed from your conception, condemned and lost with all the earth, none good without exception. For like your parents' flesh and blood turned inward from the highest good, you constantly denied him. But all of that was washed away, immersed and drowned forever. The water of your baptism day restored again whatever old Adam and his sin destroyed and all our sinful selves employed according to our nature. In baptism, we now put on Christ. Our shame is fully covered with all that he once sacrificed and freely for us suffered. For here the flood of his own blood now makes us holy, right, and good before our Heavenly Father. O Christian, firmly hold this gift and give God thanks forever. It gives the power to uplift in all that you endeavor. When nothing else revives your soul, your baptism stands and makes you whole and then in death completes you. So use it well. You are made new in Christ, a new creation. As faithful Christians live and do within your own vocation. Until that day when you possess his glorious robe of righteousness bestowed on you forever. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.